0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Houghton Wesleyan this morning, second Sunday of Easter. Could we stand for our call to worship this morning? This is the good news. The grave is empty. Christ is risen. This This is is the good news. news. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never put it out. This is the good news. Once we were no people... Now we are God's people. Christ is our peace, the indestructible peace we now share. We know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. The life he lives, he lives to God. Alleluia, he is risen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we are so grateful for the promise of your son's resurrection that we celebrate and for his coming again that we look forward to. We ask that you would be present by your spirit and that your word be spoken and that your son be glorified in our service today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand for the hymn. It's uh, an insert in your bulletin.
1: For you seat and share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship today. Great joy to come together and worship this morning, and uh, I want to. I just want to mention a couple of things uh, that you can be involved in. There are a number of inserts in your bulletin. One of them is about the 30-hour famine that the youth group is doing to raise money for World Vision, and uh, if you can support them in that, I know they would appreciate that and uh, would be used for a great cause. You see the the uh, insert about that, and also most of our nursery and children's church ministry during the school year is staffed by college students, and of course they will be leaving for the summer soon, so we have an opportunity for you to serve in these ways, to help with our children, and there are inserts in the bulletin related to the nursery and the Children's Church, and we appreciate your, your willingness to be involved in helping our children know Christ. There's also an insert in your bulletin about uh, the missions weekend that will take place next Sunday. It actually begins on Saturday, and there will be a gathering in the community room from 10 to 12, and we'd uh, love to have you be a part of that. It would help in the planning for the food if you could sign up, and you can do that as you leave this morning on the table in the foyer. And this is an opportunity for us to focus on missions, to think about what God's doing in the world, and uh, we will be doing that as well next Sunday morning and evening also. Uh, next, this coming uh, Wednesday, we're back to our regular schedule of activities or uh, Wednesday night for children, youth, and adults. And we are really pleased to welcome this morning uh, Joey Jennings, his wife Mary Beth. Joey is our uh, district superintendent. He oversees the 33 churches in western New York. And uh, we are pleased to to have him here today. We appreciate his leadership and just the the connections that we have and they have to Houghton. And he'll be talking, I think, a little bit about that uh, when he shares. But he's here to preach today, and we are excited to welcome him and know that God is going to speak through him to each of us.
2: Our choir anthem this morning is Christ the Lord is Risen Today and we'd like to invite you to join us in singing the final stanza which will be seen on the screens and is also hymn 172 if you would like to look in your hymnals. I will have you stand at the appropriate time.
1: In response to that great declaration, let's join together in the prayer of confession that's printed in your bulletin. Let us pray together. Almighty God, in raising Jesus from the grave, you shattered the power of sin and death. We confess that we remain captive to doubt and fear, bound by the ways that lead to death. We overlook the poor and the hungry and pass by those who mourn. We are deaf to the cries of the oppressed and indifferent to calls for peace. We despise the weak and abuse the earth you made. Forgive us, God of mercy. Help us to trust your power to change our lives and make us new that we may know the joy of life abundant given in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. Amen.
0: We turn now to our Old Testament reading from the Psalms, Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will command your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All you who have, who have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. They will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all men may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look on you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving toward all he has made. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all. All who love him, and but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Amen. I'd like to invite the ushers forward, and if we could stand for the doxology. let us pray. Father, we commend to you what you have given to us, everything that is by skill and every gift that is freely given from your hand, and we offer them to you today in thanksgiving and in praise. We offer these, our tithes and offerings, to you in obedience, and we pray that you would use them in your son's name.
1: For a while we have been using the altar rail as a place where you can come and pray. There's nothing magical about the altar rail, but sometimes sometimes it just feels like the right posture is to come and to kneel. And so if you would like to do that, I invite you as we pray together to come and to use the altar rail as your place of prayer. Heavenly Father, it is because we know that our Redeemer lives, that we come to you in confidence as we pray together. In this moment of prayer, we come to you asking that you would give stability in our shaken world. In this noisy world, we come acknowledging our need for peace. In this fearful world, in this world that, that seems to, to continue to create fear, we desire courage. And in a world of rising and falling empires, we crave a new vision of your eternal kingdom. Father, we pray for peace in the world and ask that you would hold back the forces of evil, the systems of evil. Encourage every person who is working for justice and good and let that be the description of the leaders of the world and let it start with this nation and all the nations that we represent. We pray for your church. Unite your people where there are threats of division. Lead your people to the truths of your word rather than our in, infallible, and our, our troubled human understandings. Protect your church from attacks. From the inside, from the outside. May your people be known by the loving spirit of Christ. Father, we pray that you will make us a church committed to love you and to love one another. Give us your vision, your wisdom, your spirit of generosity. Your grace, that we might continually bear witness to Christ in this place. And as we ponder the needs of this congregation, of the communities that we represent, of the world, and we know the struggles and the pain and the heartache, in this moment of silence, hear our prayers. Father, heal our diseases. Comfort our grieving souls. Make us known as people who forgive one another, who care for one another. And fill our minds with your truth, our hearts with your love, our souls with your spirit. We pray, Father, for the team that's preparing to go to Haiti and ask that you would bless them encourage them and use them in ways beyond their imagination we pray for joey and mary beth as they lead us and the churches of this of western new york and pray for wisdom and for understanding and for the power of your spirit in them in a very special way and for all of us kindle our faith and make us sensitive to all that you're doing. Strengthen us in our troubles and send us out strong in your power and in your might as we unite together, praying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
0: Our New Testament reading this morning is from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 28 to 34. Could we stand for the reading of the gospel this morning? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Good morning. It is a delight to be with the Houghton Wesleyan Church in this community. It's meant so much to me and my family through the years, and just to be back with you today is a joy. As I share, bring greetings from the other churches of the Western New York District, it is a joy to be a part of a team with you. And just to, as we work, we sometimes focus just on what is going on at our church, but just to let you know some exciting things are happening and the churches, uh, the Wesleyan churches, and the the surrounding area, and it's exciting to see um, just some some new churches that are planted, some churches that have been seemingly dormant for many years take new life. And uh, what God is doing, we we give God glory for. As I go around to different churches, I think it's a, it's encouraging just to see that we are part of a team. That the Wesleyan Church has churches in Fillmore, and Cuba, and Rushford, and Olean, and Wellsville, and Buffalo, and Jamestown, and and we are working in very urban areas in, in uh, the west side of Buffalo and a lot of suburban areas with the, the surrounding areas around Buffalo, but also a lot of urban areas, churches in Forestville and East Leon and places I'd never heard of before coming here as superintendent. But to see the kingdom of God not only being proclaimed, but being lived out in these churches. The district works to, um, to partner these, these churches together by, by the pastors getting together, we get together almost monthly um, to, to do leadership training, to encourage each other, build each other up, and to really um, support one another. We also are planting churches. We talked about the Home City Wesleyan Church last time I was here. They are continuing to meet in, in Cheektowaga now, and that seems to be where they are uh, developing a congregation in the outs, outskirts of Buffalo near the airport. And uh, Dr. David Sheminda is uh, building a core group. They had 60 in worship for Easter, and we are excited about God's blessings on, on them. And there are also other churches that are um, really either praying about planting a church or a group has, uh, one group from the Fillmore Church has gone to, to start a ministry uh, to young adults in the South Buffalo area. And actually this, this month we'll start working with uh, a weekly midweek service, just a Bible study in the Orchard Park area. We also are doing partnerships between churches as we uh, encourage churches to pray for each other, to, to support each other. Uh, I know this church has been a partner with many of the other churches in our district. Just as different needs are discovered, resources that this church has or people that this church, church can send to help uh, the different works. I was even talking between services with a young man that's a college student, Jesse, part of the praise team in the early services uh, Native American from South Dakota and is wanting to help out some with uh, their Native American church in, in uh, Cattaraugus Reservation. So it's great to see that kind of cooperation between churches. And also working with ministries that it's better to do together. Um, retreats, uh, family camps, uh, different ways in which the churches are, are bonding together to, to make more effective ministry. And so that is what the, the district is seeking to do. We're doing this because I believe that I believe in the church. I believe what the church has to offer our culture, our society, is not outdated. Now, I'm one that's almost 50 years old now. I had a birthday yesterday, and, and I'm, I'm realizing I'm in this older generation. But we, we come to the point where we realize the church is not going to become outdated. It is something that was started 2,000 years ago. And Jesus has said, will continue to prevail until he comes back. And so we, I believe in the church. I believe in the church because it has, it has presented scriptural truth to me since I was born. And I have based my life, tried to base everything I do on this truth with the help of the Holy Spirit. And the church introduced me to God and taught me about the Holy Spirit. And I find that power to live the life that the Bible teaches within the community of believers that is the church. And so as we gather this morning, this may be your first time in church. We we need to be aware that some, some people are here that may not be used to church or many of you have been in church as I have almost every Sunday of your life. But it is a sacred privilege as I come before you to preach the word of God, to expound on this passage of scripture that was read earlier from Matthew 6 and not just to say what I think about this passage but to pray that the Holy Spirit would use my words to change your lives and my life. That if we live by these teachings that Scripture presents we will have life as God created us to have. So before I begin let me ask you to join me in praying. Father as I Preach the message you've laid on my heart to preach today. Give me the words to say, the strength and passion with which to say them. And I pray that you give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying, to understand the scripture, to apply it to our lives, and to live even in ways we haven't imagined before today, obedient to this truth. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The passage that was read earlier from Matthew chapter 6 gave Jesus' teaching really to a congregation, a group of people, that he was saying, why are you worried about so many things? The passage I want to focus on in verse 33 of that, where Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. When we hear someone say to us, don't worry, that's not very helpful. Someone can just come to us in, in our anxiety, and especially if we're stressed out already, someone coming beside us saying, don't worry about that, can often be annoying not only unhelpful, but Jesus doesn't just come to us and say, don't worry. He tells us why we shouldn't worry, because God is gonna take care of you, because God is able to provide for all the things that you are worried about. And if you trust in his ability, you'll realize that is his, his promise, that is his responsibility, to take care of us is the thing that he has said he will do. So don't worry. But Jesus not only tells us why we shouldn't worry, he also tells us what we should do instead of worrying. Because worrying can't do anything. It doesn't add a day to our lives, as he says. But he says we ought to be seeking first the kingdom of God. That we ought to be seeking first his righteousness in our lives. That if we will do that, God is going to provide for us. In a sense, we are releasing all the things that are, we're worried about to take care of ourselves. What we'll eat, what we'll wear, where we'll live, what we'll do after college, what we're gonna, how we're gonna pay our bills, all the different decisions that you worry about, that you're anxious about. If we release those to God and say, God, you're gonna have to take care of that. And I believe that you can, I believe that you will. But I'm gonna do that which you've asked me to do. I'm gonna seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness. If you look at this idea of seeking after God, I found it central to, through the different parts of Scripture. Is it comes out again and again. The Old Testament says, if you seek him with all your heart, he will be found by you. One of my favorite passages of Scripture dealing with renewal and revival is from 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, their evil ways. Then God says, I will hear your prayer. I'll heal your land. I'll bring about that renewal that you desperately need. I think even when we look to the Psalms, we see David writing something that sounds very similar from Psalm 37 verse 4, when David writes, take delight in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. For to seek something first, to seek it with all your heart, is to want that thing more than you want anything else. And when David says, take delight in the Lord, want the things of God, desire God more than you want anything, then he will provide for you, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Some of us miss that first part and we look at a, a passage like this scripture and we think, well, well, God's just going to give me anything I want. He promised to in the scripture. David, who, who wrote this, of all people, knows that sometimes it's not best to get the desires of our heart. One of the things that really tripped David up as a king was the lusting after a woman that was someone else's wife. And he was king, he could have whatever he wanted, he could do whatever he wanted to do. But that messed up his not only his reign, but his his family, his relationships. The baby conceived and that was died. And so we see that David is not here saying, God's going to give you whatever you want. But he says, if we will understand this principle of seeking after the things of God, if we will delight in the things of God, if we'll want the things of God more than we want the things of ourselves, the things of the flesh, then God is gonna come and provide more than we could ask or imagine. God is gonna do in us more than we could do for ourselves. When I think about prayer, Prayer is not about us coming to God and telling God something he doesn't know. It's not about us trying to convince God to do something for us that God doesn't want to do. It's not about us earning his favor. But prayer in its essence is us revealing to God our desires. And when you pray, we say to God, This is what's on my heart, this is my heart's desire. Sometimes in that prayer, and I think this is the way it should work, we realize that our desires are not the same as God's desires. And in that process, I think we we ought to be humble and say, God, change my heart. Make me want the things of God. Help me to delight in the Lord. Help me to seek first your kingdom so that our prayers reveal God's heart. Therefore, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray and he gave the Lord's prayer, which we said earlier, it wasn't so much that he was saying, say these words and you'll have mastered the the art of praying. And if you say these once a week or even every morning, then you've you've got praying down. More, Jesus was saying, this is what you should desire. This is what, if you had the opportunity to ask God anything, this is what to ask for. And so we see that his prayer, it starts with worship, adoring God. You're in heaven. Your name is, is holy above all names. But then the first thing that we ask is may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven we we may focus too much on the giving me my daily bread or cake or whatever we want and more than we need and we may focus a lot even on forgive me i've messed up i need your forgiveness and it's not that we shouldn't pray that but we ought to look to the lord and say god my first heart's desire is that your kingdom would come that your will would be done When we hear talk of the kingdom of God, we we may in our minds somehow think of some old English king and and reign of a political or geographical kingdom. But what God is talking about is much more our hearts submitting to the rule and reign of Christ as our king. That we would would acknowledge that he is our Lord and we would, would submit ourselves into his reign... And let him be the Lord of our lives and therefore we are a part of the kingdom. As we trust in him, faith in him, we are part of the kingdom of God. And as we, as we seek that kingdom in our lives, it is, it is daily to teach us what it is that God is calling us to do. It is daily to teach us what it means to submit to his rule in, in our lives and let that motivation, let that desire affect everything we do. When our delight is in in God, we pray, God's kingdom come. We focus our attention away from ourselves. We're seeking for God to change our lives and to change our community. In truth, we cannot follow God's rule without the help of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do this on our own. If we try to make it our, our, just to look like we are and pretend like we're doing everything but, but haven't changed our heart's desire, then we've just become hypocrites. We've become whitewashed on the outside but still hollow or rotten on the inside. I think this is what the world has come to despise about religion. That we're outside trying to say this is what we've got together but we haven't changed the inside. But Jesus says change that heart Focus more on that heart's desire. Focus more on that which you seek most. And then day by day, he will change how, who you become. For we are to seek first the kingdom of God. The issue of submitting, of seeking his righteousness is, is also related to that. First of all, we realize that as, as believers, our righteousness is in Jesus Christ. No matter how many years you've been a believer, no matter how good you've become at at following Christ, we still mess up. We still are dependent upon the righteousness of Christ. But when Jesus says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, he is also calling us to live that life, for that is the life that that God designed for us. It's It's not so that we can earn God's favor, so that we can... Be redeemed. That is through the blood of Jesus only. But it is that we would live the life that God intended. It is in the Lord's prayer as He prayed, "Thy kingdom come. It is Thy will be done." Is that God's will would be done in my life? That we would surrender our life to to His will. Romans eight. I've been reading through that in my daily devotions recently, and it just continues to affirm that that we are in a battle. When Paul teaches there that there is the flesh that is is fighting for control or fighting to lead, and then the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. The flesh is wanting the things that that will satisfy me. It's the the lust of the eye, it's greed, it's selfishness. It's it's the things that will build me up regardless of what it does to anyone else. It'll build up the things that I'm a part of, but it doesn't really care about the things of God. The, The Spirit of God is also in us and in romans 8 it says if you belong to christ then the spirit is in you And so that belonging to christ is dealing with the the kingship issue have you surrendered to the authority of christ if you belong to christ then you have the holy spirit within you and then the passage is saying let the spirit put to death the things of the flesh let the spirit reign in your life let the spirit guide you in everything you do and everything you say be submissive to the holy spirit We don't always know exactly what what the Spirit wants us to do 20 years from now or even 20 days from now. But the Spirit guides us today. And are you doing all that God has called us to do today? We often wrestle with this issue. Am I going to follow the flesh or am I going to follow the Spirit? Jesus dealt with this himself when he walked on the earth. And we see it most poignantly in the garden of gethsemane the night before he was arrested and crucified when god had had shown him i believe all that was going to happen he 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 knew it he he perceived the suffering that was in, that laid ahead of him and he prayed god if there's any way take this cup from me father if, if if there's any way i don't want to go through this that was what his flesh wanted he said i don't want this but then he said, not my will, but thy will be done. It is that victory of the spirit, the, the will of God over our own will, the spirit over the flesh that surrenders to what God wants in our lives daily. No matter what comes up to say, God, I'm gonna do what you want me to do. No matter how difficult it may seem, no matter how, how countercultural it is, I'm going to follow you. God's Spirit sometimes leads us down a path that will satisfy our, our deepest desire but often comes in conflict with what we think is best for us. Sometimes it involves suffering, sacrifice, even death. But our hope is, our trust is that in light of eternity, God's will is better than our will. In Romans, Paul Describes God's will as good, pleasing, and perfect. Essential in seeking God's righteousness is trusting that God will provide and following every step. As we've looked at that being our our heart's desire to to seek after God's kingdom, to seek after His righteousness, we close with this point that it it is about seeking the kingdom to come, to grow to spread to those around. It's not just about us having a better life. But when we expose our heart to the heart of God, I think we will, one of the things I've been challenged by, I've been convicted by this year is a burden for those that don't know Christ. It's easy for the church just to be focused on the church working and operating, loving each other and and having a great experience in worship and supporting each other and all that. But, I believe God is calling us, we are the called out ones, to go into the world and share the good news. It doesn't mean just going to Haiti. It's great that we send trips to other countries, but it can also be to your neighbor, to someone in your family, to someone that God lays on your heart. And as your pursuit in life is not just about seeking your own things, but about seeking the things of God. I believe God will challenge you to be after those that do not know Christ and try to share the good news with them. It's not necessarily handing them tracts or beating them with the Bible and trying to get them to believe, but it's just praying for an opportunity to share. And when that opportunity shares, to be obedient. Uh, Yesterday I had two different events, one in the morning in Buffalo that... um, was an Athletes in Action banquet and a football player, NFL football player, Jeff Saturday, was sharing his testimony. Jeff played football at Carolina, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and uh, had, was not living for the Lord, although he said his mother prayed for him daily, probably through the night, some nights when he wasn't home, and he said he, he never, probably will never realize how many hours his mom spent praying for him, but he was living the wildlife through college. He was pretty successful at playing football. He a center for the team and, and all conference and just getting better and better. And people started saying, you're going to make it to the pros. So he, he sort of let his studies go. He didn't interview for any you know, job other than he was counting on the NFL after college graduation. He got to the day, the, the day of draft for the NFL is two days. Three rounds the first day and for him it's four rounds the second day. And he was projected to go on the first day and he was, he was a little cocky about all that was going to happen and, and uh, had a party planned and everything. And the first day went by and his name wasn't called. And uh, so the, the Mel Kuyper, the ESPN, was talking about, well, he'll be the, the next one called on the, the second day of draft. And, and he's already in the second day and his name was never called. He was just devastated. And he called his mother that night. He says, Mom, I don't know what's going on. And his mom had the boldness at this point to say, I know exactly what's going on. That God gave you a gift and you're not using it for him. And he's taking it away from you. And this, this big football player looking at his mom for consolation, basically got you know, knocked down on his back right there. He said, what's gonna happen here? And he started to wake him up. And it wasn't immediately, but for the next year, he worked for an electric company in North Carolina. And, uh, and God started speaking into his life to certain people that he put in his life. And his heart started to open up. But he, he didn't commit to Christ. And he, he, A year later he got signed on with the Indianapolis Colts. And, and as he walked in the locker room. There was two or three people that started sharing Christ with him. Day after day. And he gave his heart to Jesus. And he says it wasn't, wasn't like an a instant he was a saint. But he said he, said, he was telling a room full of, of people yesterday. It's just one thing at a time. You know, first thing is i got to change my language on the field. He's got to change this. He's got to. Not be afraid to be set apart was one of the things he said. But when I look at that story, his mom, who, number one, had been praying for him for years, was obedient to speak a difficult truth to him at a time when he needed to hear it. And God opened his eyes to his need. Another story I heard last night, I was at the athletics banquet here at the college, and and I heard one of the baseball players, a senior baseball player, just sharing about about how he was playing baseball, he, he wasn't a believer, but as he came, this, I think it's the second year here, one of the freshmen, said, we, he talked about that. down the unlikeliest of people, started speaking into his life, and just started sharing who Jesus was in such a real and very tangible way that he wanted to know this Christ, personally. And he shared about how his life has changed since he gave his heart to Jesus. That is what God has called us to do. Seeking after the kingdom. is not just that my life would be straight and, and orderly. But that we would be obedient for the purpose of spreading the good news to all. That's where God's passion is. This year God has been challenging me to pray that I. Uh, sometimes I, I was a pastor for 19 years down in North, North Carolina. And, and it's easy for the gravity for a pastor to be towards just working with church people. And God challenged me to, to keep reaching outside the church and, and I'm challenging you that. But as district superintendent, it's even more. I work with pastors and then maybe with church leaders. But God is saying, don't, don't lose that heart for those that don't know Jesus. So my daily prayers for Pastor West that he will be passionate about someone in his life that doesn't know Jesus, and that this year he'll, he'll lead someone to Christ. But I want to challenge that for you. I think that's God's heart for you, that as you submit to the kingdom of God, if you put that first, that the kingdom would come, that we would be used as a part of that process to introduce Jesus to neighbors, to coworkers, to family members, to roommates, Whoever it would be that God has put in your life. And so I want to pray for you, and specifically praying that God will lay on your heart the lives of those that He wants you to pray for and be willing to speak to when His Spirit prompts you to do that. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we, we want to say that we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. But show us what that means. And then let us continue to apply that. That decision that we made, maybe years ago, maybe recently. That decision to let Jesus be our king. And what that means. Lord, if there are areas in our life where we are struggling with following the will of God... Let us be obedient. Let's just surrender right now and say, God, I'm going to do what you call me to do. In that struggle between my flesh and your spirit, thy will be done. But I also pray that we would be so passionate about the things of God that we would see the people around us in light of eternity. And that their deepest need if they are not believers, if they are not Christians, is that they would know Christ. And so help us to be diligent in praying for these people that are in our lives that don't know Jesus. And Lord, when we have an opportunity to show the love of Christ, to speak the truth of God, Let us do it in a way that is obedient to your spirit and empowered by you to change lives of those around us. Lord, we love you. We trust you. And let everything we do be to lift you up. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Steve the Benedict.